The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short <laughs> video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by two excellent co-hosts. Nate Heininger and Shane Kelly. And this week we are talking about a very, very hotly anticipated short game game. We are talking this week about the latest game from uh, short game all-star Sam Barlow, and this game is called Immortality. Yeah, And... Uh, uh, I, I've been looking forward to this for a long time, but like every Sam Barlow game we have ever played, uh, it was incredibly surprising to me on almost every level. Every every time we play a Sam Barlow game, I am I have the feeling of I've never played anything like this before, or even really thought that something like this could exist. And uh, this game is. By far the most I have felt that in in a game before. Well, we're just popping off with love for Sam Barlow. Like um, the first time Sam Barlow did one of these, I was delighted that someone was bringing back, um, you know, uh, this corny FMV game genre. The second time that he made just an incredible work of art, I was like, wow, there's maybe there's really something to this. But now I'm like, oh, Sam Barlow for the. I don't know, filmmaking Hall of Fame? I don't know. It's just, <laughs> just incredible. Greatest of all time. Insane Good. work of genius. I, he has done it again in a way that I could not possibly have expected. And we should say friend of the show. We don't oh, get yeah. a lot, we yeah. don't get a he's, lot he's of... A, he's uh, an old buddy, yeah? Yeah. 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 Uh, what Nate is referring to is that, uh, you know, back when uh, back when he wasn't such a big deal, he came on and did a really nice interview. If you go back and listen to our Her Story episode, um, back in, what was that event? 2015, episode 51 like that, yeah. of The Short Game, he came on and did a really nice interview. Um, I don't think I could book him today. He's too important <laughs> to video games. Um, but yeah, really, really incredible. So if you are... If you are maybe not familiar with his work, I just want to set up um, the previous two games in his oeuvre uh, or in this part of his uh, of his work, um, uh, Her Story and Telling Lies. They're both sort of famous, Her Story especially because it made such waves back in 2015. But um, Her Story, if you if you haven't played that one um, very briefly, is a FMV game like Shane was mentioning. It's a game in which you are playing as, I guess, a uh, a, um, it's, it's been a little while, so I may get some of the finer points a little off here, and I don't remember exactly what counts as a spoiler. Um, you are playing as a, uh, a police investigator of some sort who is using a basically kind of broken computer system to look at um, uh, interview tapes from suspect interviews with a woman um, who is telling you the story of the death of or being interviewed by the police um, about the death of her husband. But the quirk of the interface is that you can search the text of the interviews and pull up clips, but you can't just watch them in order. So you're sort of forced to watch them 
out of order in in you know by typing searches into this slightly broken computer system. They're also fragmented, so the, right. the videos have been broken into pieces. So you're you're never finding even an entire video to watch. You never hear the questions. It's only the responses that are recorded as clips, and so you don't know what questions she's being asked, and you only get like one response at a time. But you do get things like dates on the clips. And the incredible thing about this is that there's there's a story, of course, which is trying to piece together in order what this woman said to the police detectives over a series of interviews over across a number of days. Um, But there is sort of a larger story that you're uncovering through finer details and by finding clips that aren't immediately apparent because, you know, you might go into a, a story like that and search for things like gun or murder or body, but there are things that you can search for that will turn up sort of orphaned clips within this database that tell you more about the situation and characters than, um, you know, that reveal really interesting and fascinating things. And it's, it was a really huge step forward, not just for FMV, like obviously FMV was the medium here. This is a a game that was telling its story through recorded videos uh, with actors and, and writing and, you know, production values. Um, But it was also a really interesting new territory for interactive fiction, the the format, this this idea of like searching through almost at random and trying to piece together a narrative from fragmentary pieces um, was pretty revolutionary with her story. And that has been the through line that he's carried through the rest of his career. Um, The second game that kind of follow up to her story, which came out in 2019, was Telling Lies, um, which changed from this perspective of looking at a, a singular character. He got a, a larger cast. There were, I think, at least four or five actors involved in Telling Lies. Um, it told a much larger and and uh, and more complete story. Um, but in that case, it had a similar similar present presentation where you were you were watching um clips presented out of order there it had a whole computer interface that you were interacting with that was a little a little more um uh complete than the sort of police database you were interacting with in her story but in uh, telling lies you were watching recordings of video calls which meant that you were getting uh calls between people where they were talking to each other still very similar to her story in the way that you play it um but a different a different kind of story, uh, different kinds of characters, uh, still a sort of um, crime story in a way, but really an interesting, uh, interesting sort of thriller yeah. story. Um, I, I think it's, you know, the, the the format is incredibly compelling. Just the act of sifting through these, uh, you know, people talking to each other or, uh, you know, in her story, um, just a, a police interrogation that in and of itself is a is a compelling and strange sort of interaction um, that I think you know drives a lot of the game. But I think what drives it even more though is just the actual stories that are being told, like the the plots that you're trying to piece together are also so densely packed and interesting and confusing. One of the things that's been very cool about the way that Sam Barlow has created his games is they they fall into this kind of tiny sliver of a subgenre. Um, I don't even know if it has a proper name, but I've always sometimes thought of it as interface games where you're playing um, you're playing through 
what would ordinarily be the interface of something. Think about the games like uh, a normal lost phone that came out way back in like 2017 or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, these kinds I, of games. I think of, that, um, of uh, Hypnospace Outlaw uh, yeah. as being in the same genre in that like it's a game where you're discovering a story by interacting with a computer system. Mm-hmm. And, and that's very much uh, kind of the the space that Sam Barlow's game designs play in they they are all about presenting a story that um, you navigate through um, kind of independently and choose your own path through. Yeah, and it's like a, a lot walking of ways, simulator, except you're clicking instead of walking. Yes. Um, and uh, if we can talk about the UI and the presentation of, um, you know, the, or perhaps a short history of Marissa Marcel, I, I can get into a little bit about how this one is presented, which oh, I think yeah. is a good so on I, I think that might be a good first thing to start, but just the, the very the bare bones description of Immortality. Immortality, obviously, latest game by Sam Barlow. We're all very excited to play it. Um, uh, this is a, uh, and also uh, thanks to the publisher or develop, developer Half Mermaid, which is uh, Sam Barlow's uh, new company name, which I think is, is new for this game, uh, for um, uh, sharing uh, pre-release codes with us on this one which is letting us get our uh, our episode out uh, close to release date um, i also want to mention right off the bat that this is going to be one where we are going to split it into two episodes because there is so much to talk about with immortality just you know we we did a single episode on her story you know a single episode on uh on uh, on telling lies talked for half an hour about the basics and then dove into spoiler territory that kind of thing here impossible there's just so, too much to say um so what we're going to be doing this time around is uh, this episode no spoiler break this is a spoiler free zone we are going to be talking only about the uh the way this game tells its story and we're going to be talking about some of the things that um so the the developer were kind was kind enough to share some details about what they consider spoilers we're honoring all of that and maybe being a little conservative there because there's a lot to discover in terms of story here um so we're going to be sharing only things that we think are are just straight up uh generalities and uh and things that are not going to spoil the story for you in this episode next episode is going to be spoiler central we're getting deep yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think in general, the stuff that we're going to be hitting in this episode, you probably could experience in the first hour of playing because mm-hmm. this game gives you a tremendous amount of freedom in terms of uh, just kind of a real lateral entry. Um, you can basically pick up from from nearly anywhere in the story, which is fantastic. But of course, it wouldn't be a interface game if we didn't talk about how you get into it and what you see first and what you learn first, uh, which is quite curated. I think this is a, a game that starts you off with an excellent and very thematic um, loading and menu experience. Um, so just to kind of start us off, um, what you first see when you open this game is um, you see a young woman um, who is kind of walking towards a chair and you've got a, a little bit of a, you know, a, a menu and uh, you can it's a choose. DVD box set menu. Yeah, it just this looks is exactly like a, right. It's four by three. It looks like a like um, late 90s, early 2000s DVD menu. Uh, mm. And I think that's like, I think it's very intentional. Um, mm. It's obviously this is a game about films. Uh, we didn't we didn't mention that at the, at the very beginning as part of the setup. I just want to read the the three sentence um, 
Steam description here, which I think tells the story of like what kind of game this is a little bit. Marissa Marcel was a film star. She made three movies, but none of the movies were ever released. And Marissa Marcel disappeared. An interactive trilogy from Sam Barlow, creator of her story. Yes. So from that first menu, you you get um, to see what is, I think, a, a really interesting touch is like as you navigate the menu, you're seeing Marissa Marcel herself walk towards this sort of uh, screen test chair. Uh, and so that's your very first introduction to the character and you have the word immortality and then you've got two things that it's presenting you with that are before you could before you start the game at all um the content warning and the about screen and both of these are kind of um written in an in-universe sort of way uh this does kind of carry on that dvd box set aesthetic i think of this as in terms of that DVD box, I don't. For those who might not have been uh, huge DVD collectors way back, and I think that's starting to get into the distant past. Like, uh, if you paid like good money for a fancy edition of a DVD, in many cases you would have something that was a really creative UI experience. I think, particularly of some movies, like uh, uh, for me, my favorite of these was. Uh, What's that David Fincher movie that's told out of sequence with the memory issues? Oh, Memento. Um, that's Memento. Thank you. That's, yes, that's not David Nolan. Fincher, is it? That's um, isn't it? That's um. Oh, geez. Um, googling Memento director. Wait, it's Christopher Nolan. That's Christopher it. Nolan. Nolan. Thank you. All yeah. right. Yeah, I got my wires crossed there. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in in that there were these weird like depths that you could get to in those dvd menus that would unlock content that you wouldn't be able to see any other way like uh for example a chronological version of the movie and other stuff like that so uh that was that was cool like there there was people were really experimenting at, at that time and this yeah. has that same experimental feel uh but before we it get also, into like, what you actually <laughs> A good DVD menu, though, my memory, uh, my nostalgic memory of a DVD menu is also meant that if you fell asleep watching a movie, you would wake up to whatever the the like <laughs> looped audio that was the backing track for the DVD menu, which would just play indefinitely. At least yes. my, my DVD player didn't have any sort of like power mm-hmm. save mode or any ability to recognize that it's been sitting on the uh, And God the, help you if the DVD menu has some kind of loud sound in it. Because yeah. often they would be like, here's an explosion that launches the DVD options onto the screen that's going to yeah. happen every 15 seconds while I, you're idling. I distinctly menu. remember uh, renting the DVD for Barton Fink. And the DVD menu for that one um, was literally the climax of the film playing on repeat. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> John Goodman walking through a burning hotel. And you the whole time you're like, and he's like, Barton! And then it loops. And you're like, well, now I fucking know what that guy's going to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I God, think I had uh, the, the old school uh, one. And it was just Will Ferrell like screaming, you know, and I wake <laughs> up, wake up at three in the morning like, huh? <laughs> why is will ferrell screaming in my bedroom well it is worth telling our viewers and listeners uh up front uh the stuff that's in the content warning um for mm-hmm. this game which uh basically says 
viewers are warned that the film footage collected here contains subject matter that might be upsetting. The stories are taken from gothic, thriller, and supernatural genres and tackle themes and elements such as strong curse words, blasphemy regarding the Catholic faith, sudden and surprising visual cuts and sound effects, alcohol, cigarette, and drug use, abusive relationships, nudity, sex, blood and wounding, suicide, sexual assault, and murder, specifically asphyxia, knife, and firearm. So they get that. First off, I mean, you know, you had me at hello. <laughs> you had me <laughs> to strong very, curse words. It um, is a very intriguing list of, uh, yes. of of warnings. But I will say also for listeners, like this is, this is a, a good example of a content warning. It's pre- presented kind of in a... Uh, unobtrusive kind of in-universe way that that kind of fits with the the content and it is exhaustive these are exactly the things uh that i like about this film <laughs> yeah, yeah man well it is kind of compelling because it's the a blasphemy like, about the a, catholic it, faith is pretty fucking kick-ass in this uh but then there is the about screen um which tells us why we're really interested in this and this is um it's i think it's it's very nicely presented. It's photographic. It includes uh, mocked up posters of the three films. And it tells us that, uh, you know, here is a short history of Marissa Marcel by Sam Barlow. Marissa Marcel is more than just an enigma. Born in France, Marissa moved to London in the late 60s, where she worked as a photographer's model. Her appearance in a soap commercial was spotted by a casting director and led to her being cast from thousands of hopefuls by Arthur Fisher as Matilda in his 1968 Ambrosio. The film was never released. Marcel followed this up with the 1970 movie Minsky, a collaboration with her DP from Ambrosio, John Durek. The movie was never finished. Marcel was never was not heard from for over 20 years until in 1999 she reappeared to film Two of Everything, reuniting with John Durek, now a successful and acclaimed director. With Durek's death, this movie was also shuttered. Marissa Marcel was never heard from again. In 1968, many thought Marissa would be a huge star, but these days she is largely forgotten. A few dedicated enthusiasts have attempted to find her lost movies and floated their own theories of what happened to Marissa Marcel to no avail? Um, I'll leave the ending of this uh, just uh, to, but suffice it to say that this that you are playing is the DVD box set of the the effort to re, to put together a complete history for Marissa Marcel's films. These mm-hmm. three unfinished um, or unreleased films are the you know, the legacy of this, um, this beautiful actress. And, you know, they are presented with behind the scenes footage that give you a really interesting view into who she is, and her psychology and her, um, you know, how she lived. And uh, I, I just think that the way that it is presented is some of the most interesting way I've ever seen this kind of archival yeah. footage presented before. And of course, it's, this is a yes. true story. It's really, uh, of course, yeah, it's of course a true it's, story. Yeah, we all know this is a true story. I mean, look at that about page. Um, and yeah, it's, it's incredibly compelling. I mean, that setup alone is very strange and intriguing. You know, how this, the, the idea of like a movie star that none of their movies ever actually came out is really interesting on its own. And then, 
you know, you've got a death in there and you've got a, a, a disappearance. Like there's a lot of intrigue. And then if you're just a fan of Sam Barlow's games, you know, like, okay, there's something there's, going on. Yeah. There's, here, there's right? a clear, there's a couple clear mysteries that are mysteries right off the bat that are, that draw you into this, right? Because there, there's the clear mystery of like, it says that these movies were never released, but it only kind of says why it doesn't tell you why Ambrosio was never released. It tells you that Minsky wasn't released because of a death, but like how did that happen? Well, yeah. yeah. Nowadays, you know, I, I I think anytime, like if a film was almost done and the director dies or whatever, someone's stepping in and filling and finishing it. Right. So, so what happened? And then there's, there's the mystery of like, why doesn't she work again for 20 years and then decides to come back for the third film? And why is that never released? That's left as a mystery. And also, of course, Marissa Marcel has disappeared. That's a clear hook. Like, marissa marcel is gone what happened to her is that is a really interesting central mystery for this game um and the you know the by implication this being a sam barlow game that we you know we have an understanding that like by combing through all of this this archival footage from the three films we're likely to find an answer to those mysteries that's what's so exciting about this well and what was at first i was like well how is watching these old films going to give me any sort of indication as to what happened and why they were canceled or, or were not released. And that was the first sort of, you know, aha moment mm-hmm. in this game for me is that you're watching clips from the movie, but the you're, you're watching scenes from the movies, but oftentimes it's the like starting at when the, uh, the like assistant director will hold up the big, you know, I don't even know what clapboard. Yeah, clapboard. You know, it's like scene forty-five. Take da da da. Clack. You know, then it starts. Then you watch the entire scene. Sometimes several, you know, five-minute-long movie scenes that are just straight up, just a, a, a seemingly a scene from a film. And then you'll hear the director say "cut," and then you will get maybe it's done right there, or you'll get upwards of several minutes of like what the actors and actresses and and scene people and designers yeah. and whoever multiple like, takes mul- yeah sometimes uh background footage like behind the scenes footage these are people who carry cameras around and are taking video of behind you know behind the scenes as they're working on their creative process yeah videos that are from the pre-production process things like table reads uh, like table reads um like uh what is it what do you call that process where you go, like uh looking for for sites like um you know, out looking at, um, at location for, scouting, uh, location scouting. Yeah. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Storyboarding, um, and um, even just yeah. like you know, rap parties, uh, other other uh, video that surrounds video the diaries process yeah. of the films. Yeah, interviews. And my my favorite sequence in the game is a late night talk show interview uh, with. Well, this this actually happens a couple of times with with different yeah. members of the cast. So. Um, all of this comes together to give you not just a picture of the videos themselves, the movies themselves, but of the reason that like these, um, these mysterious unreleased films might have a little bit of a cultural cachet that has lingered. Like people, people, people wanted to see these. They were, there were famous people involved. They were intriguing. The first one is based on a, a novel, a well-known, I mean, it's not really, but it's, you know, it's supposedly in universe based on a well-known, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Gothic yeah. novel. We're, like, we're supposed to believe that this was going to be a major 
blockbuster and all three uh, of these films were going to be a big deal and then never came out and there's nothing more exciting to a film nerd than an unreleased film right speaking of uh, you guys want to see that batgirl movie i want to see that i I couldn't have given (laughs) marissa marissa marcel in batgirl that's exactly what this is like these are these are um this is like finding like the day the clown cried or 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 the dailies from it or something right like these are these are are background clips of famous missing films and a mysterious central, uh, you know, actress who vanished from the scene. That's, that's like a really cool setup that I mean, like yeah. the idea of a famous actress who's never had a movie come out is no, but like, <laughs> it's a really cool idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really awesome. So I think we got to talk a little bit more about how this actually functions because yeah, like, yeah, let's talk about the first launch experience. What clip did you guys get first? I don't remember. Uh, I think I um, got the talk. It was show. definitely a clip from the first. You got the talk show first. I thought I did, but maybe not. So I, I wish I had taken better notes about this specific moment. But when you first launch it, what you see is the full film grid. The full you see the film grid full of clips. Yes, and then I scrolled through it and picked a clip, essentially at random, and that is where I started. Ah. And yeah, I think that happened to me too. I remember seeing the full film grid and, and thinking like. Like I, I remember that the um uh, like her story and telling lies they have very specific starting points and they're like well chosen. Here it does seem to give you a little more flexibility there, and that's awesome, awesome, um, incredibly lateral. There, because yeah. you're very free to choose here, and you can see, um, you know, in that moment you can see just visually from the film grid how like what a gulf of time is encompassed here because there is a vis- there's a distinct visual look to a film from 1999 uh, versus 1968. And and you're able to choose whatever you like. And uh, the thing that's incredible here, um, you know, from that film grid, when you first access the film grid, you're only seeing a tiny number of clips. You're seeing, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing, well, you, from that initial moment where you come in from everything, you watch a clip and then you come back to the film grid and you're only able to see the clips that you've seen, right? It's you're suddenly you're left with just the clip that you clip or clips that you've watched. And um, the film grid becomes a experience that's like the experience of directing a film. You know, you are which we all um, have, of course, <laughs> assembling. Uh, you're assembling these clips um, in your kind of bin uh, of clips and you're able to sort and filter and explore them in different ways. You're able to look at things um, chronologically or in the order that they appear in in the films or would have appeared in the films. Um, well, the, and there's the, I mean, there's the most magical part, though, besides all the organization. It's the discovery of new clips, right? Like to me, that's this the, was that's the, that's the incredible, um, incredible advancement here. So compared to so just for the for the uh, for the background here previous Sam Barlow games have had a text based experience where you are typing in keywords that you want to search and you want to find. Uh, but this has a much more, um, it's a, it's a more tactile fun experience. Sam Barlow calls this a, a match cut mechanic, uh, in a, uh, in a filmmaking sense, a match cut is any time where you're cutting between two scenes, but you're cutting on a very similar element. So let's say, for example, that you uh, have a scene in which a character, uh, you know, picks up and regards an apple. 
and then in the next next scene uh, you know how you, you do when you to, pick up an apple, you just regard it. You got you got to regard it. <laughs> you got to regard and then, every apple. You know the next scene perhaps cuts to an apple hanging on a tree. Maybe a, maybe a normal person outward. eating an apple. <laughs> well, I, I regard them first. Uh, uh, same, of course. Well, but it's not just the next scene. It's that you. Uh, I have to stop go- the podcast for a minute to tell our listeners uh, what's always making me happy, which is Galaxy Crisp or Cosmic Crisp apples. It's a good crisp. Uh, this is this yeah. is a, this is an apple. You guys the apple good. evolution, the apple renaissance, really that we've been experiencing over the last ten years. I don't think it's enough news coverage. We are I, living in the golden age of apples. It's really yeah, true. They're really I absolutely. Good these days. Yeah, Shane, um, I uh, I I've had the Cosmic Crisp. They have them at my local HEB, but yeah, they yeah. also have a variety of apple called the envy apple mm. i don't know if you've had the envy apple but i think it's better than cosmic crisp it's got uh it's got a more of a honey flavor to it i think it's i delicious. uh i used to work uh customer support for a, a financial company i talked to this guy one time on the phone who uh sold apples and he was just basically laughing the entire call about how much money he's making selling honey crisp apples he was like, I'm selling these things for $6 a pound. You know how much that is? <laughs> I, people love Honeycrisp. It, it has stuck with me. God, we're all in the wrong business. I know. This dude was so happy about how much he, how much money he was making selling Honeycrisp apples. And I was like, damn, I'm the sucker buying these Honeycrisp apples up because they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're fantastic. They Listeners, did you they hear how good. we match cut from the discussion of <laughs> apples in the game to this discussion of uh, the, the Honeycrisp <laughs> well, racket? It's that's, a perfect that's um, example yeah. of the way that this mechanic works in the game. Speaking of I was, I was explaining a match cut in the filmmaking sense, but here... Speaking of how we a... make our money, guys, we have a Patreon uh, for this <laughs> podcast. I, I would appreciate it if anyone who's listening to this can uh, go to buy us some apples. Short game. Yeah, buy us some yeah. apples. Uh, keep us stocked up in apples, um, and maybe one day we'll get a sponsorship from Apple. Um, <laughs> I uh, it, yeah, the uh, you know you're not just watching these clips; you have full control, so you can fast forward, you can reverse, you can pause, and at any moment you can pause, and uh, there will be a number of highlightable objects in the in the scene most of the time there's several every once in a while i found like a freeze where there was nothing that was highlightable but for the most part there's usually something if not dozens of things that you can select and uh yeah say you someone's regarding an apple as we all do as is established you can pause it select that apple and it will take you to another scene that is likely apple related or they do some really cool stuff where it's like you know, sort of tangentially related, or these are all movies that have some connections. So sometimes you'll click on a prop, and then that prop is now in one of the other movies. So suddenly you're watching a scene from one of the other movies. And at least my experience with this game has been sort of an endless cycle of watching scenes, reversing through them to watch them again, maybe pausing it and seeing like, that's an interesting item. Or why did the camera dart left a little bit right there let me pause right at let me, let me fr- like go frame by frame until i get exactly to where the camera has darted for a moment and there may be some interesting object there i will now freeze select that object and it's going to take me to a new scene that i you know probably have never seen before or yeah. even to a similar a scene that i've already <laughs> a scene that i've already seen but with 30 seconds more at the beginning or 
uh, I'm coming in at the end of the scene and now I see 30 seconds further than I did before. Uh, yeah. and, and you'll come in in the middle of these scenes. You can always run back to the beginning of the scene if you want or fast forward. But because this is such a fluid experience, it was very, very rare that I was jumping into a scene, jumping to the beginning of the clip entirely and watching it beginning to end that way. It's much more. Yeah, that's of a where fluid. we're different. I really don't want to miss anything. I, I, I one of the, my favorite things that they've done here is in the UI. I, I'm playing this on PC and the keyboard buttons that are being used here, the arrow keys, and then the letter I and O, um, that matches how nonlinear video editors are, are. And when it when it's bringing you into the game, it explicitly tells you, like, we're presenting these, you know, assorted clips uh, from these unfinished movies in the way that a, um, you know, a movie maker would have interacted with them in the time, you know, and that's that's their way of saying, like, this UI is like a video editor's um, yeah, dashboard. It does UI. sort of feel like that. I played on a controller. That I and O. Yeah, that, I want to yeah, talk I, about I the controller a... too. But the the I O thing is mm-hmm. specifically the in and out point in a video editor, and it's a really nice touch that they use that. Um, I do wish that it was possible to reassign some things here because mm-hmm. um, I am very used to Final Cut Pro, um, where the uh, job done by the arrow keys here would have been done by J, K, and L, which are directly under I and O. Those are the shuttle keys to move you through a clip. Um, I wish I could do that. Uh, you can't reassign those things here. But the way that they recommend playing this game, and I actually recommend as well, is with a keyboard, not with not with a keyboard, but with a, um, uh, a gamepad and with headphones. And I think actually both of those are very important for this game. Yeah, I had a gamepad. I wish I would have been using headphones because, uh, you know, there's a lot of this is obviously a visual medium. You're watching these videos um, and, you, you know, it's a lot of this game is sort of observing the scene, taking it all in, looking for new and interesting objects. But the audio is critical as well. There there are a lot of extremely critical. audio, like arguably more important, at least for uh exploring and un- unlocking new things there are audio cues that i don't know how you would ever identify like this game has subtitles which is very very nice but if you were playing on this by game, default yeah if you were playing this game without sound um i don't think that you could you may never be i mean you, you yeah. may never be able to truly complete this game without <laughs> yeah. sound yeah i don't um, think but so, i mean yeah. why would you play a game about watching video without sound i think that would be well, pretty well ludicrous. to be fair from an accessibility standpoint i do think yeah. that yeah, the game titles and everything it, it but they, it also they do has some, some of the most vital sounds yeah. are also reproduced via like haptics and that's what i was gonna say it rumbles yeah. it, it rumbles but i don't know that you would like the the audio cue is is uh becomes increasingly apparent pretty hard to replace that yeah yeah so um just speaking of the while we are still just talking about like the physicality of the game um like they do recommend a controller in fact in the in the the press release thing here they say we recommend headphones and a controller for the most immersive experience sticks and clicks go a long way to evoking some of the mechanical metaphors here and i agree with that they did i think a really good job of mapping these controls to a gamepad 
Um, so just to give you a sense of what that looks like, you can use either stick or you can use the um, the triggers on your controller to fast forward and rewind in a way that feels really natural. Um, you can press L3 or R3, like clicking the sticks to get that in and out point type of thing that Shane was referring to earlier. So if you click your left stick, you get you jump to the beginning of the clip with a nice little rewind, you know, sound and, and video effect that happens very quickly. Um, and uh, then you can use the left and right arrows on your D-pad to step by frame, which becomes pretty important as you're trying to catch small details. Um, it's really, really effective. Um, and uh, I, I think they did what's incredible about this is like both of the other games in this sort of loose trilogy, like Shane mentioned earlier, were really revolving around using a keyboard or re- re- being able to type things. Um they create they've they've figured out a way to make a game that that does the same things as her story but can be played entirely on a controller and feels better for it like this isn't something where like you have to type into a interface with a gamepad this match cut mechanic where you are you know basically um skipping between clips using visual language instead of the the spoken language is genius and hella effective and yeah. It's also only possible because the directing and the video element of this game is so far ahead of so anything much Barlow has done before. Like this is directed from the ground up for this mechanic. Mm-hmm. And the so the the fact that, you know, candles are all over the first movie or uh that you, you know, see a knife at some pivotal point in all three movies you know these Mm. are these are considerations and also the the game the the video is is designed in such a way that there's a very minimal number of like extraneous noun objects or just you know random people's face because of course faces are one of the most useful objects that you can click to see match cut because you'll want to follow a character through their story but um like the 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 cinematography both feels perfectly natural and you know very convincingly mimics these various different eras uh visual style and like uh, cinematography and movie language um yeah but then also it's really tight it's really spare you 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 really only see what you need to see um to be able to work with the footage in this match cut mechanic of being able to click from object to similar object. There's a number of things that I think make it work so well, you know, with, with text-based, you have to do a little bit of work in your own mind to think of like, what word am I going to search for? You know, and, and obviously like a lot of words are provided for you and there's a lot of obvious keywords that are said a lot, but you still have to kind of connect that dot and type it out and search for it. And you may search for words that, don't really give you much of a response or just lead you back to the same thing you've already seen. Whereas this game, everything is being presented to you. You know, no matter what you click on, you're going to get to something. Now, if you yeah, play the game for a also, while, you don't, you don't like, it's not like the search thing where you get a list. Like yeah. you might see, uh, you know, a, a flower and you click on it and it's going to take you to another seemingly random clip that includes a flower, but you're not going to get an exhaustive list of every, every shot fl- of a yeah. flower in the entire three movie trilogy. Sam Barlow compared this mechanic in an interview to Pokemon snap. 
He said <laughs> in Pokemon Snap, you move through That's a linear so level, you notice cool things, and you try and take photos to get points for it. Sometimes this game might be the doing... opposite of Pokemon Snap, and I love that he by is... doing things at the right time. You might see or unlock something that uh, so you funny. hadn't necessarily on a previous trip. <laughs> I had not heard so, that. Before. In immortality, a... we're giving you this Moviola, which is the interface where you can sit and watch these sequences and rewind and find that perfect frame where you can perform a headshot. And then it will magically catapult <laughs> yeah. you into a new cool moment and create some interesting story dynamic. I, I think that like, uh, you know, a critical element to this, dude, I probably shouldn't be impressed by this at this point in 2022. But the smoothness and the lack of loading that you bounce in between every scene with with like no drops, you you're mm-hmm. what you're you're watching a film about a like a gothic monk. You see a cup. You click on the cup, it does a little zoom in on the cup, zooms out, and now you're in an, an entirely new scene that is set in the 90s, and everything is totally different. It's all full motion video. now it's video. a Starbucks cup or whatever. And now, yeah, <laughs> and it's a full motion video, fully directed acting, you know, incredible. And then you see like, oh, there's a knife on the table, and you click on that, and now you're over at an entirely it, – it, it seam, it's seamless, and it's – this is partially because all this all this video like i'm very used to all my video being a streaming experience now all this video is downloaded as part of the game download Mm, how big is 25 gigs gigs. yeah huge Mm. game i was very surprised whenever uh, i i loaded it up on steam because like oh it's new sam barlow it's probably like a you know these games are dense but you know but yeah 26 gig is wild it's a lot. Uh, while we're talking about the experience of sort of flowing and skipping trippingly from clip to clip, I want to share something that uh, that Sam Barlow and their team included in the uh, in the notes that they shared along with the review copy. Um, uh, maybe a little more uh, highbrow than the comparison to Pokemon Snap, uh, but he uh, he included a paragraph from a. Uh, 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 from an exhibit, from a description of an exhibition by uh, J.G. Ballard, uh, his atrocity exhibition. Um, he included the original clip, but then he also paraphrased it to specifically refer to the game. And so, this is a sort of a paraphrase of a J.G. Ballard quote uh, about experiencing uh, a sort of uh, art that has this sort of random exploration element to it. He says. Um, Players who find themselves daunted by the unfamiliar narrative structure of immortality, far simpler than it uh, seems at first glance, might try a different approach. Rather than watching from beginning to end as in a conventional movie, simply scrub through the footage until something catches your eye. If a character or item seems interesting, click them and be teleported, creating your own path via images that resonate in an intriguing way. Fairly soon, I hope the fog will clear and the underlying narrative will reveal itself. In effect, you will be playing the game in the way it was written. Um, and I like that quote a lot because it's sort of, it, it, that's a really ambitious thing. This idea that you can take this, um, you know, Sam Barlow's done this before in a sense, but like this idea that you can take this uh, this orderly uh, chronological narrative and essentially just experience it as a gestalt, ex- sort of, encompass it all in a sort of a random way piecing it together in your head not like puzzle pieces where you're specifically putting one next to the other and seeing exactly how they fit maybe there's some of that but mostly you're just sort of taking it in uh and you're gaining a sort of a a understanding of it as a whole uh in a way that is 
really, really cool and feels like you're you're playing with the thing rather than experiencing it like you would with a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm most reminded of um, I, I've I'm, I'm my mind is going back to the novel uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. There's a there's a practice <laughs> that he has in there called Zen Navigation, which is that uh, rather than using conventional uh, methods of wayfinding like uh, a map, uh, the Zen Navigator looks for someone who looks like they know where, where they're going and then follows them. Um, and that the, uh, the, the result is that you get where you are supposed to be and not where you intended to go. And so, uh, that, that is something that I think you can, you can pursue in this game. I, uh, I, you know, I was really enjoying the, the, the physicality of this game that we've been talking about here. And I, I went over to Molly who was like watching a show. I was like, I got to show you this thing. It's like, it's like, it's so cool. You can like pull up these clips and, and fast forward and rewind and pause and freeze and zoom. And she's like, so it does what a VHS does (laughs) very lovingly, of course. But I was like, no, you don't get it. You got to hold it. You got to try it, you know, because it is, there is a, a degree of like explaining this where it's like, Oh, cool! You can watch videos and fast forward them and rewind them, um, but you can click on things. Yeah, and take you to other things. It's like so. To be clear, it's, it's if this sounds yeah, if yeah. this sounds boring, which that was really eye opening to me when I like went mm-hmm. to show it and was like, okay, yeah. It's, when you when you put it that way, it sounds. I think pretty I think boring. like his other games, it might be a really good game to play co op with somebody. You know, sitting yeah. on the couch with you, uh, taking it in with you, and like giving you ideas about what what rabbit holes to go down yeah um but yeah if you just sort of hand the controller to somebody you know mid thing it's it's essentially the same as netflix right it's a you hit play (laughs) you hit pause it does the thing i did find i found this game distinctly hard to pitch to people and so um you know i i think when it comes to sam barlow's games like when i first experienced uh the uh the, the very first one her story i I thought, well, this is going to be really a hard sell and it's going to be really divisive and people are going to be split on what they think of it. And what surprised me was it wasn't. People really genuinely seemed to love her story just across the board. And I think that's going to be true here too. Well, I think her story and everything, but you know, part of what her story was really compelling on was just the performance of the lead actress. Like, she was compelling to watch. And if you're a fan of any sort of, you know, media like this, like just watching those scenes was interesting. And I think the same thing with this, like uh, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, yeah. but these are like, the, these are watching, good movies. Yeah, these are movies I would watch. I, well, I wouldn't necessarily say they're good movies. Cause I think, oh, I don't know. I think, I think part are. of it is that at least the um, Ambrosio, I think part of it is they're a little, you know, campy, a little B filmy, a little bit like over the top. Really, some of the performances are intentionally that. Um, but it's all like you're watching 30 second clips, one minute, two minute clips from films. And the the actors all throughout are are really, really good and really compelling. And you have no idea what's really happening, but I found myself like immediately caring about whatever scene was going on, trying mm-hmm. to figure out what it is, where does this sit in the broader movie? Um, it like Sam Barlow is obviously not just a 
compelling writer because all of this is is written and, and pre-planned but i think a pretty good director like these are good performances which had to be really strange as an actor to perform because it's all you know segmented and, and weird and they were enjoyable and the cinematography i don't know if he does his own uh cinematography if he has a director of photography but like i was really impressed yeah he came to he came to this style of filmmaking from uh working with actors in uh mocap like his his previous you know he had a triple a career he did one of the silent hill games and like directed actors for uh you know there's a mocap scenes and mocap scenes and stuff and he came to film through that which is a really interesting and odd approach but like I want to I want to push back a little bit Nate. I think these are all good movies. And that's one of the things that made this work for me is that like yeah. these are like you know maybe I wouldn't go like singing the praises of Ambrosio the the film uh the 1968 film based on a gothic novel about a priest uh uh you know and uh, and his temptation <laughs> um but the the but it is a it is a spot on 1968 like um you know hammer films kind of vibe uh to the it's like you know not shot on location shot on sound stages shot with you know it looks like a 1968 film uh it sounds like a 1968 film um and it's 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 a believable movie but also there are things in it that are really interesting and i would watch a movie i would watch uh ambrosio i really would i think it i think it's got some really interesting stuff especially towards the end of the movie um (laughs) and the other two movies are also great like you get the sense that like okay they're on a turning point you know the the third movie so we're not going to talk in depth about these movies um because we're saving most of that for for after the spoiler break i'm going to try to keep the plot details of the three films mostly out of this episode but like the first film ambrosio great uh sort of 1968 it feels like a little bit of a holdover of like uh, of like early sixties, like, um, Gothic, uh, horror, Gothic campy, um, stuff, um, uh, very spot on. Um, but then you see that, so Marissa, uh, leaves that film and works with her direct, you know, her DP, um, the director of photography on that film, working under this famous director whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, uh, he, uh, he and Marissa team up to make a movie together that's going to be his first film as a director and it's called Minsky the second movie and it's a uh it feels like a 1970s movie um so in a way even though it's only a couple of years later it feels like they you know they're on the avant-garde of a new style of filmmaking that's hitting in the 70s so lots of changes suddenly they're shooting on location suddenly they're making a film that's not about you know gothic priests in uh in you know in spain in whatever year that was supposed to be set in uh instead it's very much it's like a street film they've got like uh people taking drugs and cursing and having sex and whatnot not that there wasn't some sex in ambrosio um there's a lot of tits in this in this game guys a lot of a lot of tits <laughs> um, <Pardon> me sir <laughs> uh and um and it's it's a different kind of film um 
but it also seems like it's the kind of movie like if you're interested in these sort of 70s grungy cop dramas it would have been a pretty good one i think actually the script that they've got all the scenes that you get to see are well written the characters are you know, the actors are doing a really good job it's an interesting movie but you also get that sort of behind the scenes stuff and then you get that 20 year gap that mysterious 20 year gap in, in marissa marcel's career and the third movie feels like uh, like a, a like a '90s or late '90s, um, uh, like like teen movie or something. Yeah, it's well, it's, uh, um, it, it's more of everything. just a thriller, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's like a pop star thrill, a pop star centered thriller about yeah. a, a woman and her, uh, like a a, a a pop star and her body double, um, sort of trading places, and it's it's got all the hallmarks of a '90s thriller. Um, I. I think all of them are interesting enough movies that like, even if there wasn't the central mystery of like what happened to Marissa Marcel and what is the the strange backstory going on around and behind all of this stuff. And it is stranger than you think. There's a lot of strange stuff in this. Um, even without all of that, I would have been intrigued just to be able to see more of the story of these films. I think they hold up. Well, the, the, the mechanic of bouncing between them, getting little bits and pieces, the smoothness of it, how quickly you go from one movie to another makes them all feel distinct and interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't mean any disrespect when I say, you know, that I think that these movies may not have necessarily been good movies because um, I see what you're saying. Like I was like, I wanted to know what's going on with this, this priest is, will he, won't he, you know, but, <laughs> but like the, 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 like it's of its time where it's like the, the over dramatized scenes, you know, wailing into the camera, you know, brandishing a knife against a painting of mother Mary, you know, it's all like, I think if you were actually watching this movie end to end, with none of the context of the mystery of the movie, you'd be like this. Maybe, movie. maybe my audience yeah. is different. I've watched a lot of like hammer horror and like, yeah. you know, old Vincent price movies and stuff. And I love those things. So like this hit like one of those for me, um, yeah. a, a style of, of Gothic. It's not exactly like, I wouldn't say that um, Ambrosio, there are definitely horror elements in this. In fact, Sam Barlow like came out and said early that he's, you know, he, this, he, he made this partially as a horror game, which is a really interesting thing. You know, that it doesn't wear on its sleeve, even though he's said it in a number of places. Um, but like it, it has these like Gothic horror elements to it that I was really into. Yeah. yeah it's getting hard to talk about without, going into our spoilers section, which we are holding for our next episode for a variety of reasons. First off, I have, I have hit the credits on this, but there's a lot of content that I still haven't seen. I pretty much have, uh, I pretty much have seen everything in Ambrosio and 90. I Minsky was never completed, but I feel like I've seen pretty close to most of the, the footage from Minsky. I feel like I've barely scratched the surface on two of everything. Um, not to mention, you know, there's quite a well of miscellaneous content outside of the scope of those three films. And uh, so I'm, I'm still making my way through. It is, if you were to play this game just to the credits and I know neither of you guys have hit the credits yet, but uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm very close. Um, anyone where I'm does, at right now, like I've, I've been, I've been spending most of my time trying to like unearth things in the, in the first two films. There is a, there is a mountain of content here that is, in is 
very optional and is going to be, you know, it's your, your experience of this game is going to depend so much on your interest in these three films and the, you know, assorted additional content that goes along with them. So, Mm um, I, I think, uh, it's enough for this episode for us to just say that this is one of our most strongly recommended titles and possibly game of the year. I would, so far for me, it is. Um, I, I, I would go a little farther. I would say this is an, I mean, I haven't even hit credits on it. And I think this is an absolute work of genius. Mm, I, I agree. I think it's, it's, it's yeah. like, I thought her story was good. I, or not good. I thought it was great. I thought it was brilliant. I thought uh, telling lies was even better in many ways. Um, this is the best thing he's ever done. And this might be one of the best games ever made. Um, I, there are, you know, we're, we're getting coming to this, like trying to hit, um, embargo date. And so, you know, we haven't seen reviews from other outlets. Um, but I'm confident that this is going to be a ton of people's game of the year. The one review that's out already is edge magazine. They hit a print date. Um, and this got a 10 out of 10 from edge magazine. Only 24 games in the entire history of that magazine have gotten a 10 out of 10. The last one was Elden ring. Um, like this is, I think going to be the best game of the year without question. It's, I, and I'm, I, I don't mean this to say this to like spark the, the, um, a, the the frustrating debate of like what is or isn't a game but like this is so much more than just like a game you know what i mean i feel like just it the is. the the interaction of the um the films the like the the obscurity of what you're actually even doing i i i, I think i was like two hours in and i had messaged the group like I don't know what's happening and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I absolutely love this. Uh, I, I, that feeling carried for a long time is just so compelling. I I've never, yeah, I, I don't even know how to explain. I feel like we've just spent an hour talking about this and we've really only scratched the surface about just how well, that's why we have a whole second yeah. episode planned. Well, I have one, I have one last thing that I feel like I want to add here. And I know this is, a, this is a spoiler free episode. Um, but I, I think this is okay to include if you needed a little extra inducement. Maybe you've been hearing all of this and you say, well, but I'm not interested in a French film star from the 1960s. Um, there's, there's a, a thing that, that they put in the, uh, in the reviewer guide here. Uh, they provide a lot of advice for players, a lot of which I thought I thought was really useful. The kind of thing like I, like the, like the quote I mentioned earlier, but they, they have one thing at the end that, I, I, I want to include here just in case folks need a little extra push. And that is, they say at the end here, one last piece of advice about this game. Be warned. We think it might be haunted. <laughs> it, it Well, yeah, we have, we have not talked at all about the like next layer of this game that is right. going on. And that is intentional, but just know that, um, there we think is, it might be haunted. There is so much <laughs> like there is that's why we're doing an entire other episode of spoilers because um this I, I haven't is not, felt this this strongly about the like spoiler like having yeah. so much to talk about before we hit even stuff that I would consider like the meat of the game. Yeah. Um uh since maybe um inscription. Like in a way, uh you know, the the like jaw on the floor reveals of inscription. 
that's here too, in a way. There are some absolute jaw on the floor reveals that make you reevaluate the entire nature of this game that we haven't touched on yet. This will be total spoiler stuff. Yeah. So check it out. Yeah. Dude. Cannot wait to hear more people talking about this game uh playing this uh playing this in preview um was hard because i kept wanting to talk about it to literally everyone (laughs) oh man how would um, i even explain it yeah yeah once again thank you so much to half mermaid for um for providing code on this one what half of the mermaid do you think they're referring to i want to say it's half mermaid half man um so that you have the, you know the, the top, the top half, half of, of a mermaid and the bottom <laughs> and half, the bottom of, a half of a man. What a strange creature! Exactly. <laughs> I think it's uh, just bisected right at the waist, so it's just it's just a fishtail, and you're just assuming that it's a uh, it's a mermaid. That was half of a mermaid once for sure. <laughs> well, um, I think that looking at the clock here, I don't think we have time for what's making us happy this week. So I will simply say that's what's making us happy this week is this game, Immortality, which I cannot wait to start playing more immediately after we get off of this call. Um, so listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net. That's where you'll find all the links to all the things, including our searchable show notes page, um, a form where you can submit uh, games that you recommend for the show. You can also tweet at us at underscore short game. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon. Uh, you're going to want to talk about this game once you play it. The, what the better worst, way to do that? The worst part about this embargo is not being oh. able to talk about this game with our Patreon subscribers in the Discord. I can't wait to see what everybody. Thinks yes, about the it. moment the the embargo is up, I am creating a channel for this game, and we are going to be talking about it, making heavy use of spoiler tags. So, if you are uh, playing this game and you want a place to talk about it, join us on our Discord. You can get onto the Discord by being a patron of the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash the short game. And if you support us at even a dollar a month, which um, we appreciate every one of our patrons, you can also support at higher levels too, if you'd like. Um, there's no cap. You can you can send us however much money you would like. But if you support us at even just the dollar a month level, um, then you immediately get access to our Discord, which is where we talk about the games that we're playing. And we're going to be talking about Inscription for weeks, I guarantee. You, you it. said Inscription. Um, I said Inscription. <laughs> immortality. Immortality. Sorry. There, there is, I don't know what the dollar amount, but there is certainly a dollar amount that if we get to, Reagan will recreate every scene of Ambrosio with him playing every part. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's let's get to that number. I'm already doing it. You just haven't seen it. <laughs> well, yet. We, we'll release it. I assumed you were doing it. So. Release the Reagan cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of Ambrosio. Um, so, uh, you listeners, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, that's all of the things. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. Shane, where can people find you? On Twitter at 8BitShane. And Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at NateSTL. And once again, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Join us back here next week for Deep Dark Spoilers.